Hare Bowl, everyone. Hare Krishna. Ugh. I think this is working now. It wasn't working just before. Yes, it's working. Okay, Jai. Um, Hare Bowl. It wasn't working, and now it is. So that's a good thing. Welcome, Kavi. Welcome, all. My name is. And, uh, oh, sorry, my name is Kishore Chandra. I'm a little flustered right now, everyone. I just finished recording a yoga uh, class, and I'm really sweaty, and I feel gross. I didn't have time to take a shower, but <laughs> that's TMI for all of you. Um, <laughs> uh, but we're here to talk about spiritual topics uh, with myself and Jai Jagannath. And so Jai Jagannath uh, should be coming anytime shortly, just now, I believe. Yes, he is here. Um, okay. Let's see. I hope these work. I just got these. Hi, PB Chat. Money Plus Skies. Ah, you're on the move. I am. I'm on my way to Alachua to see Vera. Oh, wow. Yeah, and, um, and the gang. Alachua has really bad connection and my phone's about to die so this might be a short chit chat a short chit chat that's fine you know because i was i just came on here a little bit of a mess i was telling everyone like i just finished recording a yoga class i didn't have time to take a shower i'm like sweaty i feel gross okay. um so that's where i'm at right now <laughs> okay we were wanting to continue some topic today isn't it yeah, do you remember what it is? I have like yoga brain right now. I was just like in Shavasana leading people through a meditation. Uh, so I don't know what day it is. <laughs> That's where I'm at right now. Oh my God. <laughs> Krishna. Do you I remember? really don't, I don't remember precisely what it is that we wanted to. Wait. That it was. Let me try. <laughs> Let me try to remember what we were talking this about. This happens like every time. How can I remember a verse I haven't quoted, a, a Sanskrit verse from like years ago, and I can't remember what we talked about yesterday. I mean, um, I do remember we were we were speaking about the kind of how to integrate bhakti into modern discourse, and if that should be done. Yes. And to what degree it should be done, if at all. Yes. I can't remember what I named the episode yesterday because I always name them. Right. I'm going to look this up. I feel so embarrassed. I have yoga brain, everyone. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think know. it was Kavi saying, I think it was to do with people misusing bhakti, but also we can't judge. Yes, we can't. We can't judge everyone. <laughs> don't judge us. Stop judging us. <laughs> Stop judging us. Wait, I'm going to find this because I'm going to remember. Oh, the name of the episode was called Call Out Culture. And we were specifically talking about judgment and how, um, you know, we, I remember, I remember we was, yeah. I brought up Srila, I brought up Srila Prabhupada and I brought up about how attracted I was to his, you know, kind of no nonsense approach, just calling people right. out as it is. Right. However, like ourselves being really like beginners, neophytes, having so many anarthas in our hearts, um, calling other people out can sometimes backfire on us and you were mentioning specifically about how like when you call someone out 
it's almost like Krishna immediately notices and will like test you like right away. And I said, like, even if I don't call the person out and in my heart, I'm finding judgment in my heart, I'm having envy and judgment. Krishna will still find a way to be like, oh, really? Well, let's see how you do with this situation, you know? And so I think what we were speaking about kind of where we ended was like, how, like, what's the middle ground, right? Like, how do I not go so far into, you know, wet blanket love, everything is compassion, everything is, com everything is compassion, everything is love, everything is mercy, everything is good. One extreme to the other extreme of just like calling everyone out, you're nonsense, you're fool, you're a rascal, like this, which is a little bit, you know, we've seen the repercussions of that as well. And yeah, I think maybe we left off on like, uh, on that. I think that's where we left off. Maybe. I, I don't know if there's, if, well, let's explore that question briefly. I don't know if there is a middle ground. Um, as I was saying two episodes ago, there's no, there's no shortcut or no substitute for maturity. So unless we become ripened mangoes instead of the unripe, hard, somewhat tasteless mangoes that we are now as beginning practitioners, mm. unless we become ripened mangoes, then there isn't really an answer to this problem or this tension. Or say it in another way, the answer mm. to the problem is to become a ripe mango. Otherwise, there's no use in unripe mangoes mm. arguing about which way is the right way. Because in either mm. case, they're both tasteless and hard and, you know, mm. and coming from a very relative, you know, perspective point of view, which is obviously limited. And all friends are posting memes, criticizing people who have other beliefs about what's going on in the world. And all, I find most of the memes to be quite funny. But a friend posted a meme and a God Brother Vars made a comment that I, I heard it as particularly harsh. And so um, commenting how mm. people who didn't want to, people who didn't want to wear masks, it was due to the a fact that they were watching too much Fox News and their brains were addled with something. It was like a very harsh statement. So I posted a question. I was like, do you think people have no legitimate reason to be suspicious about what's going on? Mm. And I, I got some, a little bit of a pushback. And um, someone was saying that uh, one of our God sisters, one, all these people are wonderful, by the way, uh, was saying, well, in Hong Kong, they, uh, they're not, people in Hong Kong, they're not so much concerned about their individual rights. As a, um, and they all wear masks, and there's been very few deaths in Hong Kong, and they have more density than New York. And I said, okay, that, uh, whoa, ooh, whoa, whoa, sorry. There's a lot of vultures in the street, <laughs> and we were about to hit one of them. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so I, I asked our God sister, I said, you know, I said, I think there's a really, there's a real fear behind surrendering one's power, one's freedoms and rights to government in exchange for the promise of security. Mm. Now, this is a tension that societies have always faced, 
as far as I understand, the attention of how much power do I surrender to government for the promise of security? Mm. And I said, for some people in America, the reason they have a lot of fear behind that is because history informs us that we should mm. have a lot of fear behind surrendering too much power. Mm. Uh, and some even think that that's more scary than the coronavirus itself. Mm. And maybe so in their own way of protesting, whether it's right or wrong is besides the point, but maybe in their own way of protesting, they, they um, you know, don't want to wear a mask, for example. Mm. And then another God brother, was, he was saying to, or not, I don't know if he's a God brother, actually. He was saying to me, well, you don't have to be an expert. Because I was saying, the, I was putting the word expert in quotation marks as if these people are cheating, because I think some people may be cheating. So he says, mm. you don't have to be an expert to know that keeping your face covered prevents like spit and something else from coming over. And I said, you know, one thing that I've learned about the modern advertising business is that um, plausibility is often presented as veracity. You know, if something's plausible, then people just take it to be fact. Yeah. Yes. And without actually knowing the truth behind something. And I said, modern advertisement companies, they take advantage of our ignorance to present mm. plausible scenarios as actual facts. And which they, they may be true, they may not be true. But my point was that the reason there's such a conspiratorial fervor in the country is because our so-called culture has existed on the platform of untruthfulness for so long. Mm. The CGI, the filters, the face tone, the auto-tune of the voice, um, video editing, um, narrative manipulation. There's so many areas in our culture that thrives on deception that such a culture has naturally produced the conspiracist theorist. Yes. And I said, but, so if anyone wants yeah. to be blamed for that, it's the culture itself. So the reason I'm bringing this up is that um, the reason I, in the context of what we're talking about mm. is that there are so many arguments on one side or the other. And you have unright mangoes arguing about these situations mm. and being unable to come to a conclusion. So mm. my conclusion is coming. I've been coming more and more to this conclusion that there is no substitute for becoming a right mango. Yes. And as long as we're unripe, I mean, we can entertain ourselves because it is entertaining. Let's not lie. It's entertaining to argue and fight over these sorts of issues. Yes. But at the end of the day, unless we mature ourselves, how will we really be able to bring healing to ourselves and to our communities? Yes. I completely agree with everything that you're saying, especially specifically about this ripe mango. We've spoken so much about this in chit chat about like yeah. self-reform, self-transformation, doing the internal work. Because something that's been really ticking me off about call out culture, even though it's entertaining to watch, even though it's like, okay, like go for it, you know, whatever, is that, you know, a ripe mango means that I'm, I'm become I'm becoming mature in whatever field, right? So, right. I the ideal field is a spiritual field. I'm becoming a ripe mango in my shastric study and my bhakti, right? Right. But you know, what? How does that saying go? Like Jack, something master of none, jack of all trades. Master yeah. Of, is that something a thing? Like a student of many. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. You you know it. what I'm saying, right? We you got, got it. it. Yeah. You got it. And my point being that because of the internet nowadays, because of social media, because of the media, and the extreme amount of misinformation, 
literally the way that the world works currently is I see a meme or I see someone post something. <laughs> I, I have a, I liked what you said that like veracity replaces what? What was it again? Yeah, pl plausibility pr is presented as veracity. Yes, plausibility is presented as veracity. So I see a meme, I have an emotional response to it, a passionate response to it, and I become very voracious about it. You know, I'm just like, I agree, or I don't agree. Uh, and I'm going to repost this, or I'm not going to repost this. And I'll just give an example. I don't want to get into this because it's very complex. And um, it's a big topic. And it's probably not the correct forum to talk about this but i will say one thing about this particular thing so many people in so many people like hear the word communism or socialism in the united states and it's like immediate like just like red like, you know like communism means like you know stalin and cold war and like evil it's like the evil against the united states sure and so i saw someone posting something about it whatever and today i felt specifically compelled i usually don't do this kind of stuff but i'm feeling more compelled nowadays um i posted like an image of a book and i just said like y'all should read what communism is you know and y'all should read some history because um what you're reading on the internet is perhaps misinformed you know i said it in a nicer way than that that that's a, comes off a little bitchy but i said it in a, in a much nicer way and my point is that like if you look at history we don't need to get into this right now but oftentimes what is what is presented or what is acted out in the world because we were talking about this when we were talking about cultural appropriation what yes. is presented like what the image is is sometimes very different than what the substance is right you know so it's like i'm presenting as a i don't know a liberal but my substance might be very defunct and very different or i'm presenting as a communist but my substance might be that of a capitalist or i'm presenting no. as a spiritualist but my substance might be of actually i'm really weak spiritually and i am super addicted to material world you know material life or right. i'm presenting as like a yogi and this and whatever but internally i'm like you know an addict etc like this so i'm just right. the call out culture becomes very difficult the canceling culture becomes very difficult simply because I might call out someone for something, but how much do I, I'm always asking myself this, how much do I really know? You know, like, I think it's really about humility because it's like, if I consistently am asking myself, how much do I really know? How much do I really not know? You know, okay, let me go do my research. Let me ch -ch 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 like this. And it takes, right. you brought up this point in chit chat so many times. Do you have to go? Uh, I'm, I'm cool. My, when my phone's about to die, then it will be okay. over. <laughs> I was just going to say, you brought this up in chit chat so many times before that actually like doing a lot of research and reading a lot of books and like really knowing your stuff takes a long time. Like it's not, mm. it's not some like immediate thing, you know, whether well, those be books why... about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, sorry. I was going to say, that's why culture is always dependent on scholars because yes everyone's everyone's not going to do that work that's obvious so one of the types of yagyas mentioned in the old world the old vedic world is rishi yagya there are five yagyas yagyas which means like sacrifices or compulsory duties that were meant for everyone in the society deva yagya rishi yagya nir yagya pitri yagya other i'm forgetting so um Anyway, so this Rishi Yagya is the Yagya, the offering to the Rishis. 
And the rishis mm. are the persons who are writing the books of knowledge. And so the yagya that was done, um, the offering that was made to the rishis was to read their works, which were meant for guiding humanity in their inner life and also in the outer world. Mm. Um, and the world will always need such scholarly individuals who are not only scholars in terms of their academic, um, you know, metal, so to speak, but they're also... Mm they're also embodying dharma or virtue to a high mm. degree. And I think this is what's suffering. So we do have scholars in an academic sense, but they are far from embodying dharma in, this, in, mm. in the way that the rishis of times of yore have embodied dharma. In fact, the modern secular world tends to believe that your moral um, outstandingness has nothing to really do with your scholarship. Like the two worlds can be completely divorced from one another. So you can still be like an, a jerk and be a wonderful scholar. That is the belief. Or at least it's one that's like viscerally understood. Mm. Then, you know, a-hole, you can still be scholarly. Whereas the old world, they didn't separate your academic scholarship from who you are as a person. And so the modern world, we suffer that we have people who are, you know, purportedly um, scholars in an academic sense, or they practically are scholars, they have the academic, but they suffer from the congenital, you know, prejudices that anyone suffers from. One of the main characteristics of the Rishis and scholars of yore is that they were able to overcome their prejudices by various suddenness. You know, mm. they were able to overcome the prejudice of Raga and Dwesha, love and hate. I like this side and I don't like that side. They were able to overcome that by their sadhana. In mm. fact, one of the main characteristics mentioned of such a soul in the Bhagavad Gita is samatwam. They see everything with equal vision. So they're kind of above prejudice that we're all born with. But modern, modern scholars have now over uh -oh. Oh, I thought we congenital. Um, yeah, modern scholars have now prejudices, and therefore um, their scholarship is dangerous because they mm. they may they may present only a certain angle that is according to their prejudice. They won't necessarily see the whole picture. I remember talking to one of my god brothers. This was a little few weeks ago, and you know we were kind of going at it a little bit. And I was like, listen, I like my scholars dry and dispassionate. Like, for me, and it's my, as far as my understanding of the old world is concerned, you, there was not like a passionate scholar. Scholar means someone who has gan, someone who is overcoming material dualities. And as a result of that overcoming, they're like completely sober and kind of just very neutral. So I was, you know, God was a little bit passionate about something. I said, I personally like my scholars to be dispassionate. Yes. And to the degree they are dispassionate, to the degree I can have more confidence in what they're saying. Because mm. they're looking at the situation very soberly and from, you know, different angles of vision. And so we don't have that advantage in the modern world. So we do have scholars in a, in a secular sense, in an academic sense, but they haven't overcome congenital prejudice. And so mm. what they present to us may also be just other forms of their own personal prejudices. And mm. as a result of that, people have started to become extremely skeptical. Even if someone is considered the quote-unquote expert, people still disbelieve them 
because they don't have the character that engenders that sort of confidence. Whereas in the old world, basically, if Narada Muni said anything, that was it. That was the truth. If Vyasadeva said anything, that was the truth. If any Rishi mentioned anything, it was basically just accepted for the, for the most part. Mm. Nowadays, our, our generation, we don't have that sort of confidence anymore because of just what the culture is and the problem that I've just mentioned now. And I think uh, uh, something that modern scholars might consider, which they won't, but a question that I feel like they should ask themselves is why people don't have that confidence in them anymore. Experts in various fields are often criticizing the layman for not trusting in their expert opinion. Without ever, I wonder if they ask the question, why do you think they don't trust you? You know, it mm. has more to do with them just being ignorant or stupid. That's the easy way out. When someone doesn't trust me, I can just say, well, because they're ignorant. That's the easy way out. The hard way is that what is it about who I am or what I'm doing that makes them distrust me? And that's a question I don't feel many of the modern scholars and academics and, and frankly, mm. modern leaders ask themselves. And so mm. their expertise is looked at with profound hesitation and suspicion. And I would, I would say warrant, it's warranted also. So again, just bringing us back to the point, if you're not a right mango, you a problem. It doesn't matter if you're a scholar, doesn't matter if you're a superstar, doesn't matter if you're a leader in yes. some spiritual organization. If you're an unripe mango, then you're more or less like me, also an unripe mango, not fully trustworthy, not fully in control of my senses, not having overcome my prejudices. So whatever I end up calling out is literally the pot calling the tea kettle black. That's literally what's going on. And it's a shit show. Like, it's, like I said, it's very, it's very entertaining. But that's all that's going on. The tea kettle and the pot back and forth calling each other black. <laughs> more or less wasting each other's time. The entire time that you were speaking, I just wanted to like, like, I felt like I was at, I just wanted to be like, yes, yes. I just wanted to snap my fingers. Because I agree with you so much about this point about that in our secular world, scholarship has been very divorced from morality. So you can be a total asshole, but be the expert in your field. And that, that's, it's, it's so crazy that like on a secular standpoint, people seem to be okay with that, you know, or people seem, or people, or people almost take it as a given, you know, it's just like, whatever, you know, like this, like, and right. I think it's a, I think it has to do a lot with compartmentalization. And I feel like this in the secular world, like it's very, it almost like thrives off of compartmentalization, you know, like when I'm in this setting, I behave like this and I act like this and I buy these things. When right. I'm acting, when I'm acting naughty, I'll go over here and buy these things that are being sold to me in this environment. When I have to do this, I'll go over here and I'm sold like this, you know, and people really aren't, you know, if you look at our education system, this is a whole nother topic for chit chat, but we've spoken about this before in chit chat. If you look at our education system, it's very much about compartmentalization and not looking at someone as like a holistic kind of approach or a whole being right like they don't care right. what you eat they don't care what you eat they don't care what you watch they don't care what you're putting into your body all they care about is you know are you passing this standardized test you know yeah. like that's like that's about it it's so weak and so i think it's really i think it's really necessary 
for leaders and for people to do the work of, of ripening, you know, because like you said, like I'm just amplifying what you said because it's so good. If not, it's just a game of the pot calling the tea kettle black and just like yes. hypocrisy and just and just BS going back and forth. And just just to go back to what I said at the beginning, what really frustrates me about seeing call out culture is, you know, and cancel culture and all this stuff is that it just seems like a circus because what is, what is. is the, you know, what is the definition of a circus is that it's a fantasy. You know, none of it is real. It's all illusion. And so what I'm putting out into the world and it's illusion for entertainment, specifically right. in the circus, right? It's <laughs> fantasy for entertainment. So I'm creating a persona, you know, whether consciously or unconsciously, that is not really representative of who I really am inside. And that is how I'm showing up to the world. And that is my, you know, unplayable avatar, unplayable character that you're always saying that I'm engaging in this circus to entertain who exactly others myself i don't know you know and it My just turns about into to like this oh no okay. okay no i'm just okay, throwing so... in there is it's, it's that like a few little percent like one percent no i was just gonna say that it's like a uh you know a melee you know it's just like yes. you're going at it you're just like fighting and going at it and it's crazy apurva madhuri devidasi cancel culture is so toxic and i find myself continuing to buy into this yes, kind of black and white thinking yeah it's very seductive I like, you know, just back to the point why scholars aren't considered trustworthy. Like back in the day in the old Vedic world, if you were a scholar, but you ate meat, no one would take you seriously. And like, and I remember saying that to one of my, one of our God brothers that, you know, these guys eat meat. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm I feel sorry. that way too. I'm I feel that way too. I, I put them under, like, I put them in the, um, you know, the category of people not to hear because just because of that factor, just because of that one factor, you eat me, I, I don't think you're trustworthy. And I, that's a little harsh. So I would like to, um, room to explain myself further. I don't really have time now because my phone's about <laughs> to die and um, it's chit chat is over. But yeah, that was just a standard. Like, yeah, you had to you had to show up in all fields of your life. And not just the field in which you're purportedly showing some expertise. And our modern leaders in all fields are, have failed to do that. So they're just not trustworthy anymore. And on account of them not being trustworthy, it's giving rise to a very powerful conspiratorial um, uh, force, which is kind of counterbalancing. Well, maybe not, but it's, it's kind of the natural effect of having such a dearth of trustworthy scholarly and intellectual sources that are meant to give mm. guidance to the society. So now yeah. the, uh, the, the dearth of that has led to the rise of this conspiratorial force, which mm. has its place now, unfortunately, because there is so much lack of integrity amongst the higher ups, just even yes. if they're doing good work in their field, but they're eating meat or drinking alcohol and smoking weed. And then it's just like, yeah, you're not trustworthy because you've not conquered your senses. So yes. sorry. I think this is a really good point and we should continue to talk about it tomorrow because it's, it's... Hopefully we don't forget. No, someone please remind us if we do forget. <laughs> okay, Jaya. Uh, bye, everyone. Thank you for joining us for Chit Chat. We'll be here tomorrow and we'll continue talking about all these interesting topics. Thank you, everyone. Hadi, Thank y'all. Thank y'all. Bye, Jaya. Tell Vera hi. Bye, everyone. <laughs>